Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. I don't know if I can preach this in 21 minutes. That might be a record. If I do, will somebody congratulate me or something like that? Or just, yeah, okay, encourage me. So I open your uh, Bibles, if you would, to Philemon, Philemon chapter 1. And this was kind of stirring in my heart um, a couple weeks ago, and I uh, felt led to jump into this today, and I uh, thought it would be good for us as a people, as individuals, families, as a church family. I love this, uh, love this letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. And we're going to start reading. In, uh, let's, let's read at verse 3. So we'll start reading Philemon chapter 1, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version, and we'll read at verse 3. You all ready? He said, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mentioning of you always in my prayers and hearing of your love and your faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. Verse 6. That the sharing of your faith may be, become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Amen. We're going to jump back up into a couple of these verses and then we'll continue through the letter. But let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for... Uh, every person in this room, thank you for this wonderful time of worship. Uh, bless these saints. Lord, we're so honored. My wife and I, our family, are so honored that you would call us from the West Coast to be a part of this church family and to serve and to love. And we thank you. Uh, it was not an easy decision, but we thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, when we said yes to the call and we were so graciously received and loved. And uh, our family has been so blessed being here in this wonderful community. And we just honor you. I honor you as I honor these saints, this house, the call of God on this church community, and abroad, Lord, even to this region. This church is destined to shake this region and beyond. And we just thank you for that. We really, I don't know about you, but I really believe that. I do, I believe it. So Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I was telling Josiah, this is uh, his last Sunday just being engaged. Next Sunday, you'll be married. Well, you won't be here, though. You'll be on your honeymoon. <laughs> I feel like we should have a special moment just to pray for you guys. How many are just... Bless what God's doing in, in the youth and love Josiah and Abby. Amen. We're excited for you guys. We bless you. New life together. Amen. Um, so I want to I hone in on verse 6. Now, I don't know about you, but how many got born again or were raised in the church and started memorizing the Bible? Is there any people here that have, like, scriptures memorized? Who still has scriptures memorized in King James? Come on, somebody. Yeah, some hands went up. <laughs> you guys are the real spiritual ones. Because, you know, like, 
That's the true Word of God. Amen. So, but one of the memory verses I remember as a young man, um, I got saved, and it was verse 6 of this, this uh, letter, and it's, it's this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. The sharing of your faith may become effective. You know, it's interesting. Without, I, you know, I have lots of crazy stories of how, I mean, I, I, I barely read um, when I got saved as a 17-year-old. Um, I read it like a first grade level. So I mispronounced uh, Gentile, genital, in my first time reading the scripture, Bible study. It was just so encouraging. Um, God bless the Gentiles, but I didn't say Gentile. And uh, that was another kind of Old Testament prayer, you know, the blessing upon the loins. I don't know what was happening, but I, I, I can tell you all kinds of stories of, you know, sometimes though I think that we'll just read a little verse and if we don't know the context. I mean, you know, we, we don't really know the message. And the first time I, I remember memorizing this, I thought that Paul was telling him, you need to share your faith. Like, how many know that we should be sharing our faith with people around us? Amen? Can you imagine if we actually did, like everyone, if everyone shared their faith and, you know, we just love people and look for people to minister to? And I know some, some of us are really good at that. Some of us have an anointing specifically for that, little evangelists, and we need to encourage that. But this verse, I don't think it's talking about that primarily, if at all. Because he says, first of all, I love the Apostle Paul. He says, I thank God, verse 4, making mentioning of you always in my prayers. Listen, when you love and value someone, you pray for them. Because you know prayer changes everything. Are you thankful for praying people in your life? There's times I text people. I'm like, I need prayer. Come on. This was one of those weeks. And I'm like, I need, I need you to pray for me. Are you thankful for prayer? And Paul is like, I pray for you all the time. And then he's about ready to give a little admonishment. And Paul is so smart. The Apostle Paul is a loving father. He's an apostle. And, and he gives Philemon a, a sandwich of encouragement. And it's a rebuke. You guys have ever heard the sandwich encouragement? Like, you know, you, if you want to give someone an admonishment and correct them, you, you, it's a bread of encouragement, a meat of a rebuke, and then another bread of encouragement. And then you feed it to them. And that's what Paul does. I pray for you all the time. Man, the way you love the church is just amazing. The way you love Jesus, Philemon is great. By the way, I want the sharing of your faith to become more effective because that's who you are in Christ. And by the way, man, I just love everything that you do. You're amazing. You're awesome. Isn't that awesome? How many have leaders in their life that talk to them like that? That's a good thing, right? But Paul is not just saying, I want you to share your faith. I want the sharing of your faith to become effective or energize is the Greek word. But the word sharing is the word koinonia. And if we understand the context of the letter, Paul is pleading with Philemon to forgive somebody that has hurt him. A guy named Onesimus that either robbed him or damaged his property. But there was a loss. And Paul is addressing that. The word share is koinonia. We get the word fellowship. Come on, somebody. Fellows in a ship. How many love fellowship? And he's talking about communion. And he says, I want this part of your faith, the communion part, the part where the, the, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we love one another and we relate to one another. I want that part of your faith energized. Amen. 
Isn't that good? He's not saying, hey, go, you know, preach the gospel and win some people to the Lord. That's great. And we need to do that. Come on. The church needs to be better at that. But how many know that if we're not good at loving each other, we have no business trying to love the world? And he's saying, I want that part of your Christ following life that you call fellowship to be energized. And I want to talk to you about that. And so Paul says, I love you. I love, you love Jesus and you love all the saints. How many know that those go hand in hand? If you love Jesus, you'll love his bride. You know, I remember early on uh, as, a, as a minister, like I, I began to capture God's heart for the bride, for the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. At first, I was a little hostile towards the bride, like I've even, we've even talked about this and the, the phrase bride bashing. Sometimes I think there's bride bashing theology. Like we think it's okay to, well, the church this, the church that, and the church that. Well, you're talking about yourself. How many know that Jesus loves his bride? Even in her imperfections, he's washing her with the water of his word that she might become more glorious, Ephesians chapter 5. And I don't know about you, but on my wedding day, Josiah, in a week, I mean, can you imagine? On my wedding day, when what happens when the bride walks in the room? Everybody stands up and honors the bride, right? Imagine if they started booing her. Imagine if they started throwing stuff at her. Talk about my wife like that. Do you think Jesus approves of people talking about his bride? I don't think so. And so he says, you love Jesus and you love all the saints. If I love Jesus, then I'm going to love the saints. It's just, it's just how it works, right? Our relationship with God is lived out in the way we relate to one another. And, and probably one of the reasons I talk about this a lot because I don't like it. But it's the truth. Community is one of the hardest gifts to receive. And it's one of the most sacred gifts. Relationship. And God wants us rooted in these things. If we're rooted in the love of God, then we're rooted in relationship and community. And fellowship with one another. And so Paul is encouraging Philemon. He's like, listen, bro, if you don't mind me paraphrasing, I want you to energize this part of your faith life that you call fellowship. I want it. And why? Look what he says in verse 6. By how to do this. It's interesting though. Verse 5 and 6, they kind of flow together. They're not really separate. He says, I thank God. I'm praying for you all the time. Hearing about your love and faith, which you have towards Jesus and the saints. That, the sharing of your faith. Notice that it's verse 5 is what he's communicating. And then he steps into verse 6 and says, this is what I'm trying to get to here. The fellowship of your faith may become effective or energized by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. In other words, you've got it in you to forgive and to love and to fellowship even with people that have hurt you and betrayed you. And then he goes on, and I just, I'd like to read through this a little bit. He says... Uh, we have great joy and consolation in your love. There he goes with the other piece of bread in this rebuke sandwich, right? Encouragement. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Look what he says in verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you 
So in other words, he says, because I'm a father and I have the authority to do this, I could just call you out right now and say, you need to forgive him and start living like a Christian. But that's not what he says. He says, but for love's sake, I appeal to you. Isn't that beautiful? If I were to title this message, and it's going to be one of the shorter sermons I've preached, hopefully, pray for me, because, um, you know, we have a member meeting. It's really important. And I went too long in transition, so it's my fault. I cut into my own preaching time, knowing all the things that we had to do. We had a five-minute video announcement, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, and I'm taking up more of my preaching time right now. If I were to title this message, it would be The Appeal of Love. The Appeal of Love. The, the Apostle Paul's heart is resonant with this love that says, man, I know this guy did you wrong, but for love's sake, would you let it go? How many know that offense, things that come into our life are never meant to make us bitter, but to make us better? How many know that even when we suffer betrayal, those hooks in our heart, if you will, are not meant to leave scars, but rather expand our capacity to love. And this is, this is the Christian way, as followers of Jesus, if Jesus being crucified can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How much more can we, when some petty little thing comes our way? I mean, what is it with the spirit of offense? I don't know about you, but sometimes I get offended that people get offended. So let's all just be offended together. I'm offended. Every little thing. It's interesting, though, like uh, in, in most relationships, it starts out, usually starts out good, you know, and, and there's like, man, I hate to say this the week before you get married, just sign Abby, but, you know, like in a marriage, when I, when I was falling in love with my wife and, uh, and, you know, I was trying to get her to fall in love with me, it finally worked. I toiled and wooed for years and years and bribed her with money and no I'm just kidding <laughs> hardly had any money but when we were falling in love I could do no wrong right like I could give her a gift and it could be a, a rock that we found on our first hiking trip and as long as there's a bow on the box it could be in a jewelry box she would unwrap it this is so cute if I did that now she'd be like where's the Louis stop playing around how many know relationships change over time, right? I love you, baby. Like, I realize the honeymoon ended and some time goes by. My jokes don't work anymore. Now, if I make her laugh, I'm like, yes! I made her laugh. Things change over time, right? But how many know that love is not just the surface things? You know, we become familiar with each other. And the old poet said, familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes we get so familiar with one another, we forget the verse that says love covers a multitude of sins. And that doesn't mean we sweep the dust under the rug. One of the revelations I had this week thinking about that was that when someone sins against you or sins and they're down, one of the ways we cover that is by covering our mouths. Because we're not meant to gossip about it and slander them. We're meant to love them. But sometimes we get so familiar or we get offended. And I'm offended because you're offended and we're all offended. And it's just silly. It's like the, it, we're not meant to live these surface Christian lives. And this is what Paul's dealing with. For love's sake, he's saying, would you stop? Don't hold on to this. It will not make you better. It will make you bitter. Right. 
And I've learned that through marriage, through relationships, that, yeah, things can change and there's ups and downs, but what matters is the deep roots and the connection of love and honor and the bonds that we have and the vows that we took. And, and, and that love and that harmony grows as we keep our hearts centered on the love of God and we learn to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I'm looking at the time. Twelve twenty-four. I'm doing good. Paul says, for love's sake, I appeal to you. I could rebuke you. I could tell you, like, cut it out. But for love's sake, I want you to let it go. Who's the onisimus in your life? And you need to let it go. We've all got one or two or three or four, or maybe it's a, it's a whole people group. Maybe it's people we, I just don't like people that, I don't like leaders. I don't like pastors. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm your onisimus. Forgive me. For love's sake. I love you. How many know that church hurt, though, could be our onisimus? Betrayal. It's real. It hurts. It hurts deep. I mean, we're not meant to hold on to that. In Christ, he says, I want you to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ. Verse 6. Stir up. Energize. The koinonia in your life, Philemon. To me, that verse represents, I just need to fellowship with brothers and sisters, amen? Which means I need to have potlucks and feast. But really, though, Paul's saying, I appeal to you to let it go. Now, look what he says. Let's jump down and look at a few of these verses. Verse 8, therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ for commanding what's fitting, yet for love's sake I appeal to you. He's like, I'm old, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. He says, verse 10, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. He calls him his son, whom I've begotten while in my chains, who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. And I'm sending him back. You, therefore, receive him. That is my own heart. It reminds me when Jesus says, if you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. You receive the Father. He also said that if you receive an honor, a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you honor who someone is, you receive the grace that's on their life. No wonder the enemy is so active at trying to get us offended at one another because he knows if he can do that, then we cut ourselves off from the grace that God wants to give us through the person around us. We need each other. We're the body of Christ. We're called to forgive and to love and to let things go. Our hearts were not meant to retain. Our hearts were meant in the new covenant to be like the mercy seat where there's no retention of sin. Jesus says, he breathes on the church in John chapter 20. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, I love what it says in the message, what good are they to you? Why why would you hold on to them? We're meant to love and to forgive. And if I would be bold to say, we will get offended, offenses will come, but we're not meant to retain it. We're meant to be unoffendable in our hearts. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And then he goes on and he says, uh, I'm sending him back. Receive him, my very own heart, whom I wish to keep with me that on your behalf uh, he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. Verse 14, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. 
He didn't want to just send him back. He's, he's writing him to let him know, hey, I want you to receive him back. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. Wow. Powerful. Verse 16, no longer as a slave. So he obviously was a servant of Philemon. This guy Onesimus probably robbed him or took from him. We don't really know all the details. He says, no longer as your servant, but as a beloved brother. Wow. How the love of God will change our relationships. Where we truly see one another in the way we were designed by heaven. Honor is what brings unity. Love is a passion for oneness. And when you honor someone, you're seeing who they really are designed by heaven. It's not hard to honor one another when we see the value that we are. This is why we pray, Lord, teach us to love. Like, open our eyes to see. And Paul is encouraging him to receive him and see him differently, not as a servant. That's how it was in the past, but now he's your beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So good. Now look what he says in verse 17 and 18. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Verse 18, if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Wow. Brilliant. The love of God. I wanted to share this because I feel like at times we need the reminder that we should never allow the onesimuses in our life to hinder us from how we are created to live. You know, my son, uh, my son David, I think he's here, but he has uh, asthma. And when he was young, and I, I'll never forget, like, it, it's, it's probably, it's horrific when, you know, a parent uh, sees their kid sick or, or, God forbid, loses their child. I have a friend that um, lost his son uh, just a few months ago, and I'm still seeing the posts, and they're grieving, and, like, I, I can't imagine... I, I don't even want to even think, but I, I'm watching this, and it's just heart-wrenching. But I'm the only thing I could compare it to, which it doesn't even compare to, is like when my son was really little, and we didn't know why um, he was getting pneumonia over and over again. It's because he had allergy-induced asthma. And I remember, Rochelle, you remember this when he's really little. And little David, if you can imagine tiny, a tiny version of David, and he, he was such a little pretty boy, curly hair. At some point, his hair was so long, you couldn't, and he's so pretty, you couldn't even tell he was a little boy. Like, oh, cute daughter. I'm like, it's my son. But then when he would talk, his voice was like, really low. And he's like, Sarah, you remember? He'd be like, David, come play with me. He's like, I want to play with good toys. I want to play with boy toys. Little David. And when he was really little, though, I remember uh, he got pneumonia and we almost had to hospitalize him he got it again we didn't realize it was like allergy dogs all this stuff and uh it was so bad one time he could barely breathe and you and you can't sleep when your kid can't breathe 
it's like you're restless. And I, I remember little David would just be like, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. He was so sick. He couldn't do anything. I mean, his saturation was probably very low. And Unforgiveness hinders our ability to breathe. And God wants us to let it go so that we can breathe again. Well, you don't know, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I know what he's been through. And that forgiveness has been given to us and therefore should overflow out of our hearts no matter what anyone has done to us. There's a story. I'm going to close with this. It's 12.33. I did pretty good. Praise God. Um, thank you for the second congratulations over there. There's a story, um, Coptic Christians, one of the earliest uh, forms of Eastern Christianity in, in Egypt. Um, there was a persecution on the church several years ago, and there was, I believe, 20 or so Coptic Christian men that were beheaded by ISIS. And I heard this story and they interviewed the bishop of the guy who was like the, the bishop of this area, Christian, like a priest, you know, and um, well, what is your stance on this towards ISIS? Here's what he said. Two things I remember from the story. He said, it's easy. We forgive them. Then they interviewed a mom in this uh, community and two of her sons were the two of the men that got beheaded. God have mercy. And they said, well, what do you think about all this? I interviewed her and she says, this is un unreal. She says, I would invite members of ISIS in my home and feed them if perhaps their heart would be open to the love of God. Talk about radical forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? That's the love of God, though. So the appeal of love, Paul's encouraging Philemon. I know that some, you suffered some loss, some things went awry, but I want you to receive him. I want you to forgive him and charge it to my account because you're not designed for that. You're designed to live. You're designed to be better, not bitter. And so I want to pray for us. Let's Can we close in prayer? And if there's areas of our heart that maybe you're just callous, maybe we find ourselves very offendable, it's time to let it go. It's time to mature in Christian love and the love of God because it's who you are, Christ in you and you in Christ. You're not designed for that. Come on. And so let's just right now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for freedom. I thank you for the ability to let go. And Lord, we do not want to remain in the prison of unforgiveness or bitterness or offense. We let it go. And we thank you for your love that breaks the chains. And we thank you for your, maybe we've even not forgiven ourselves over something. Maybe in some ways we've become our own on this amiss. You know, we can, we can be in prison because we haven't forgiven ourselves of a mistake we made in the past. It's time to forgive yourself. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I speak that over your life. I command guilt and shame and condemnation. Go from your life and your mind. God says you're righteous. 
You're accepted. You're beloved. Father, I bless your people. And would you teach us by the appeal of love, reading this text, that you're appealing to us to walk in perpetual forgiveness, to love and to release the heart of the Father in our relationships. Teach us to love. We thank you and we bless you. Lord, I bless this wonderful community that does this so, so well. Lord, we thank you that we can shine and we can be this light to our community, our our, uh, region, our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.